As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. In today's episode of The Sixers Beat, Rich and I go over the positive coronavirus test and the ensuing contact tracing, which left a significant portion of the Sixers roster in the NBA's health and safety protocols and unavailable for their game against the Denver Nuggets on Saturday, where they only had seven players they were comfortable playing. Uh, We go over what that means for a hectic upcoming week where the Sixers have five games in seven days and who will be available and who might not be. And we go over the play of Tyrese Maxey, whose 39-point performance against the Denver Nuggets was the one silver lining in what was otherwise a pretty terrible couple of days. You can head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixers Beat, where you can get 50% off of a yearly subscription uh, if you are not already an Athletic subscriber. You get 50% off, we get credit for sending you. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. So since we last spoke, which wasn't too long ago, that podcast actually, if you didn't hear it, there was a podcast, a mailbag podcast that was released uh, on Friday or Saturday or Thursday, one of these recent days. It was originally scheduled to come out last Wednesday, then the Capitol was stormed, then we listened back to it, most of it still applied all of it really still applied because it was a mailbag podcast then friday happened where um half the team started to become unavailable because of contact tracing and lost in all of that that podcast sort of came out so go back check that out most of those questions do apply even if some of the people we discuss won't be playing now for a little bit maybe a little back to back you know this <laughs> this is the uh the shot and then that'll be the chaser yeah, yeah. there you go so since we last spoke these sixers have lost two games one of them, which was very much their fault and a very poor performance against a skeleton Brooklyn Nets team. And then the other one, which really wasn't their fault because they became the skeleton team because they were missing, what, nine players uh, due to various injuries, personal reasons, and COVID contact tracing. So now you're sitting here. They are seven and three after a seven one start. And there is a lot of uncertainty. But one thing that we are not uncertain about, Rich Hoffman, how you doing? I'm doing okay, man. You know, it's been a weird week. It's uh, 
it it certainly has taken a turn from the last time we have recorded uh but i'm okay and i uh i'm just prepared for this to be a goofy couple weeks in sixers land because uh i mean you talk about a bad time for half the team to be unavailable for uh covid reasons yeah, yeah they have five games in seven days starting monday yes so i guess as a recap friday we get word about six o'clock that Seth Curry was going to be out because of an ankle soreness. This is, that- is thir- Thursday. Thir- yeah, you're right. You're right. Thursday, uh, the the Brooklyn game. It w- was it an ankle soreness? Yep. Okay. Uh, and and I mean to be clear, that's a, a legitimate injury. That that's not um an excuse they gave us at six. Like he had had ankle soreness, and then he's on the bench, and late first quarter, early second, right around eight o'clock in the game, they yank him out. Uh, he had returned a positive coronavirus test result. Uh, now, I guess, I guess the way back that up, why was he on the bench? If the results hadn't come back, the way it works is you get two tests over the course of a game day. You get a rapid test and then you get the PCR test and the rapid test had come back negative. So there was no reason to believe that he was positive. But then the second test came back. The results for the second test came back after the game had started, they pull him off the bench. He leaves the arena quarantined, but there's fallout from that. There's contact tracing with the team to see who he was in close contact with and, and who has a risk profile. I'm not entirely sure the specifics of this because he had just played a game like 18 hours prior to that. I, I have some general. Okay. I have a general idea. And, and this is, I want to preface this by saying, if, if you're screaming, um, li- listening to this and saying, but what about all of the players who had just played a full basketball game with him on Wednesday and who were on the bench with him on Thursday? That's fine. I, I just know what I've been told. And I, I think it was, A, it was partially the meeting, like a team meeting, players sitting around sure. uh, a table with them. Doc Rivers mentioned that. And I had also heard it was potentially like maybe being around Curry in the team's training room um, right. before the before the Brooklyn game. So th- those are a couple of the reasons I don't know. You know, you have like Tobias Harris, Matisse Thybul, Shake Milton, I think Vincent Poirier. That's the that's the four guys who the contract tracing said, okay, you have to quarantine for a little bit. We don't know how long that's going to be, although the Sixers are prepared for them to be be out for a while. The, those were the reasons that were given. If you want to say, what about Embiid who was sitting next to him on the bench? Hey, like, look, I, I get it. You know, yeah. I, I, I just I just know that's generally what the reason uh, they, that they were given. Yeah, no, I, I know the reason they gave for why the people you listed. And Danny Green at one point was questionable. Uh, Joel Embiid was also questionable. They became available. Um, they were ruled that, I guess, the risk profile wasn't there. I just don't know why playing a game of basketball 18 hours beforehand doesn't. like it. it, it I, I'd love to know the exact details on how they came to the decisions they made. Uh, but the end result, like you said, the Sixers played a game on uh, Saturday night, sa- Saturday afternoon. I was close. I got the day right this time. I'm, I'm getting better. Uh, where Seth Curry was obviously out um, because of health and safety protocols. Then you had Tobias Harris, who was out. Same reason, health and safety. Shake Milton, Vincent Poirier, uh, and then and Matisse Thibel. Those, those were people out with health and safety protocols. Then you had Ben Simmons, who was out with left knee swelling. Joel Embiid, who was out with back tightness, uh, which we just found out before the game. Terrence Ferguson out with personal reasons. Furkan Korkmaz out with a left adductor strain. And 
Mike Scott effectively out because it was his first game back coming back from a left knee contusion. Uh, and Doc made it very clear at, from the beginning he was not going to play Mike Scott. He was just pretty much activated because the Sixers needed eight players so they could um, field a team. <sighs> so the rotations got weird. They got really, really weird. You're starting um, um, Dakota Mathias. You're starting Tyrese Maxey. You're starting Isaiah Joe. Starting. Start, these are people who had played fewer than 30 minutes in their NBA careers. Now starting, they very clearly did not win. If, if you over, if you just ignored the game last night, first of all, probably not the worst decision in the world. They were not going to win against the Denver Nuggets. We're not going to spend too much time talking about that game outside of the performance of Tyrese Maxey. Um, they played a pretty good first half, I thought. Um, you know, it was like the scrappy 15 seed. I think you made the comparison keeping it close, uh, but that was not going to last. But now we're left in a spot, you know, Doc Rivers was pretty much asked like, well, are these players, you know, Tobias Harris, Shake Milton, um, are they going to miss the standard week? I think it's a week where you are in health and safety protocols due to contract tracing. And he said that, you know, they, they pretty much have to plan as if they are. Like you mentioned, they have a game Monday against the Hawks, Tuesday against the Heat, Thursday against the Heat, uh, Saturday against the Grizzlies and Sunday against the Thunder. So they have a lot of games coming up here in a very short period of time. And who knows who we're going to be watching. It It's so crazy. And I thought Doc did strike the right tone yesterday and saying like, yeah, I'm worried about the, the COVID realities of this, but we have to leave it in the hands of the league at this point. That's kind of who we're listening to. He was like, from what I can handle, the hardest thing for me is I'm worried about players getting fatigue injuries and, you know, ramping up to an insane amount of minutes. I mean, Tyrese Maxey, Dakota Mathias, and Isaiah Joe, all three of those rookies, I'm sure, were thrilled to play that many minutes yesterday, especially the latter two who aren't even close to in the rotation when uh, when everybody is normally healthy and everything. Uh, they, they played 40-plus minutes. But then you had Danny Green... Yeah. Who, you know, is is a normal starter point guard? Danny Green, I'll mention. He, I couldn't believe he got it up the floor. That, I couldn't. I couldn't times. believe Denver let him get it up the floor. Like that, that had to just be like a hat tip. Like we get it. You're not a point guard. We won't make your life hell. He, it reminded me of like a high school point guard, like a slower one. He yeah. had to he had to back his way down the court. You know, you just don't see that thing in the NBA. Like where you just have to use your body to shield the ball to even make it up and down the court and. uh Shout out to Danny Green. He uh he didn't shoot well, but he you know, you had all of these guys out there yesterday hunting shots in a way that they wouldn't normally do it, but somebody has to shoot and you know, it was it was one of those days. But back to the fatigue thing. So you have Simmons and Embiid sit out yesterday. And let's be real, like they they sat out. Like they could have played um if it was a playoff game or like a serious regular season game. That came out of nowhere. Like, like Doc Rivers tried to say, like, ah, Ben Simmons, he was, or I forget, one of the two, they thought there was a chance after the Brooklyn game that they would miss. Uh, then you had Woj reporting that the league hadn't received any kind of notification prior to um, that announcement that they were going to miss that game, or prior to Saturday afternoon that they were going to, on the injury report. It was, it was pretty stunning. It was pretty stunning. But I will say, in the Sixers' defense, what Saturday would normally have been or sorry, Friday would have normally been a recovery day, right? So yeah. they don't practice. They might watch film or something like that. You know, you have the 
the court at the practice facility open for anybody who wants individual work or maybe the low minute group. But for most of these guys, they're not playing. The big thing that would happen with Simmons and Embiid on those days, they would get treatment for like an hour. And, you know, they would work on Embiid's back. They would work on Simmons' knee. They weren't allowed to do that. They were cooped up in their hotel rooms in New York all day. And then they get back to Philly at like 1 a.m. So, you know, the the idea, I I do understand from the Sixers standpoint, like, all right, so we have to play our guys, but but like we don't have the the necessary recovery time during those days. So that'll be interesting to see what happens. I think from the Sixers standpoint, though, if you are looking at a week where you have Thibel, Milton, and Harris out, that's I mean that's three of your ten man rotation, especially if Korkmaz is still still missing. You have Scott and Korkmaz out already. Well, and Curry too. And then Curry, yeah, sorry, the, the obvious one. So you have four players in your general rotation. Green, Simmons, Embiid, and Maxi. Right. And you Howard. Theoretically, so get your, your two big guns back in Embiid and Simmons, but you have three of your top six players in Harris, Curry, and Milton just not available. And not yeah. available during a very crucial stretch. When you know, how, many, how many times in the last two podcasts have we said, oh, well, it's starting to get real. You're starting <laughs> to play real competition. And now you've got none of your your, your real supporting pieces. It is, um, yeah. It, and you go from, okay, this is the proving stretch of the season. This will be like, this is good. They'll start to play some real teams and we'll start to measure them up against said real teams. Now, now it's just survival. Like, yep. can you... Can you not go 0-6 during this stretch because half of your team is out because of contract tracing? And it's uh, it's insane. I mean, yesterday's game, but let's just say for, for yesterday, insane game. One starter, three players in your 10-man rotation, four rookies, a couple of two-ways, and the best one, zero players who were on the Sixers as of two yeah. months ago. Yeah. <laughs> zero. They played against a full-strength conference finalist from last year that brought back pretty much everybody. I mean, yeah. they, they made some some moves, but whatever. And even if Denver's not playing well, the idea, and again, that was, I believe uh, Kyle told me after the game it was a 13.5 point spread and, and Maxi's BS pull-up threes at the end of the game <laughs> gave the Sixers a wonderful process cover, let me tell you. Uh, but, but the idea that that game was going to be even that competitive is kind of surprising oh it was right at the end it was i mean they were they were down 20 big but even even them being down 20 is like that's on the higher end of expectations for sure for sure sure. and everyone wants to know why why they played the game i mean big old dollar sign you know they they designed this the schedule so they only released the first half of the schedule at the time you should be able to like if you have a team that only has seven players available you should be able to reschedule that game uh it was a well i think it was on nba tv so a, a national national TV game, the only one in that time slot. You wonder how much that factored into it. It shouldn't. You've got only half the season scheduled. And oh, by the way, you don't have fans in the seats anyway. So this is the easiest game to reschedule in the history of games to reschedule. There's no reason, not only from a COVID standpoint, because you're really not 100% sure who may have contracted. You have, might have a pretty good idea at this point with a couple of test results, but there's still a small percentage chance that maybe one of those players had contracted it and didn't know it. Look, Doc Rivers said we're not he's not a doctor. We're not doctors either, but no, we're I, not. we've we we've been in this pandemic long enough to know that sometimes the COVID doesn't show up Be for a couple days. Cautious. There's no reason not to. Uh I mean there there is reasons, dollar sign, but you wish it didn't come down to that. That's the only explanation I can possibly have for not reschedule. And I mean, look, you don't want to inconvenience Denver and all that fine, but 
besides besides the COVID concerns, like you said, random players playing 44 minutes. Um, <laughs> when you're not accustomed to playing 44 minutes, I mean, Danny Green. When was the last time Danny Green played that many minutes? What What did Danny Green play last night? 36. Okay, that it's not too bad. Dwight, just, Dwight could only play 24 because he can't go two minutes without fouling somebody <laughs> unnecessarily. <laughs> it really was amazing. The one game he didn't be like, like, dude, just call like those ticky tack offensive fouls. And like, I've heard some people, oh, well, he's 35. Like you can't expect them. This wasn't about Dwight not moving his feet. Like this was Dwight fighting for offensive rebounds and not knowing when to quit. And I'm okay with Dwight, but like, you know, that's usually his role is to, to just play hard for yeah. 20 minutes a game. That said, like, I mean, you can't recalibrate yourself to not foul somebody in transition. Like, what, <laughs> right. what's going on? Like, he fouled a guy at half court in transition. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, if if you have more than two players, Mike Scott can't walk, and he's going to have to go into the game probably. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that yeah. would have been, like, if two players fouled out, the rule is if you are down to only five available players, after six fouls, you can stay in the game. Teams get technicals. There's all kinds of other rules. That's right. But you have to, like, if you have Mike Scott, who is available, even though you don't want to play him, two players fouls out. Mike Scott has to come back into the game. Yeah, enough with the ticky-tack fouls. There was the uh, the Cleveland Lakers game a few years ago where that came into, into play when the Lakers were not NBA champions and were tanking just as brazenly as the Sixers were. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. It, like you said, it very much felt like a process game. Uh, this was a throwback. Like it was a real, you went from seven and one contender to process and it was a very abrupt shift, uh, which caught me a little bit off guard. And next thing you know, you're sitting there going, all right, well, they're not going to win the game. I have no expectation they're going to win the game. What can I take positive from this? And that became evident very quickly, which I guess will transition into our next topic. Can I, real quick though, on the fatigue thing though, like in sitting Simmons and Embiid out, they're going to have to play a crap ton yep. this week. And so like the idea of them sitting out, I think is smart, you know, because if if Harris and Milton and those guys, maybe they if if it's a week, is that from Friday? So maybe they could be back for the uh, the weekend back to back in Memphis and Oklahoma City. I'm sure that would be nice, you know. Like I, I don't know what the rules are. I mean, and I mean they'd have to obviously continue to test negative and no more complications from the Sixers side. But starting with Atlanta. And then this back-to-back against Miami, like Ben Simmons and Embiid are going to have to play 36-plus a night. I mean, Ben Simmons might have to play 40 a night with the the lack of ball handling that they have now. Yeah. I mean, they don't have Curry anymore. They don't have Shake. That's like your ball handlers. I know Maxi will continue to play 30-plus, but I don't know. So so go ahead. You can talk and about Maxi. And then not only that, but you've got like the very real, besides the logistics, you've got the very real human concerns. And look, all these Players are in an age bracket where the the risk is relatively low, not zero, both in terms of 
mortality and also long-term effects. And that's the part that people always ignore when having this conversation. But the odds are they are in a a good risk. If you're going to get the coronavirus, being a 25-year-old in um, tip-top shape is the profile you would want to have. But there's family concerns. There's just the discomfort of it. Like Joel Embiid won't go back to his home because he's got a three-month-old kid, son, and he doesn't want to risk it. And there's just, there's all kinds of stuff going up in the air, which will, um, it's a, it's a tough spot for them to be in. They're not the only team in this spot. Boston right now is in a similar situation where half their team is out with health and safety protocols. And it seemed like all of a sudden, you know, you had the rockets in the beginning and then it seemed like it was pretty well contained. And now you've just had a string where it's, it's, it's really starting to impact players' lives, families' lives, and also with competitive games yeah and you're at a part where like there's a number of teams right now who just can't be competitive because they don't have any of their real players so it will you know nba did a real good job in the bubble uh give them credit for that trying to pull this off with travel in the outside world as the pandemic's getting worse and look they couldn't control the pandemic uh they couldn't you couldn't i mean you had some idea that in the winter months it would be tougher um on the country they're, they have to react to this, and they will be tested now more than they ever have in in, in how they respond. It, I don't know. I it's, it's, still we, just don't we, think that game should have been played. No, me either, but it's just the shitty part of this season. And we, we talked about it when they were starting up. Like this, I, I was not looking forward to reporting about COVID, and that's kind of what we've been talking about for the past couple of days. The Sixers, they're not going to be the only team this happens to the rest of the year. I mean, obviously, you said it, it already happened to Houston the first week of the year. But then Boston, gonna... I think I think Boston has like five or six people out, too. Yeah. And so it, it sucks. I, uh, you know, obviously hope, hope Seth ends up being OK. I, I like you said, I imagine he will be. Um, but even like so even like best case scenario where, you know, he has mild symptoms to, to is asymptomatic and, and nobody else gets it. I mean, Seth Curry was playing out of his mind for yeah. two weeks. Like, 100%. even if even if he's fine, like this could screw up his rhythm for sure. So, and it's just, it's just the shitty part of this. That's that's really all I got. Boston's injury report: Jason Tatum, Kem- uh, well, Kemba Walker has a knee injury. Um, Jalen Brown, Javante Green, Shemi, Robert Williams a third. Like, it. This is a. I actually I forgot it was Miami was the back to back coming up this week the the homestand because they have one with Boston in a couple weeks yeah. that would have been quite a couple games and then you have Washington who seems to play every team that uh, that comes down with COVID um, and and Denver had just played Dallas who just yeah. came down it, couple a couple a good mess. lines did you see Scott Brooks's line about Seth Curry he said uh, well the good news is that we weren't within six feet of him. Uh, <laughs> While playing, <laughs> Seth Curry, he, uh, I, I, what do you have? Thirty points the the night before. Again, this comes off a game we haven't even talked about a game in which the Sixers shot sixty two percent from the field, yeah, and they bare, almost lost. Too. Yeah, uh, yep. It's been a crazy week. All right, Tyrese Maxey, the undisputed positive from the other night's game. I uh, had thirty nine points on. 33 shots. Yeah. That, what, 18 for 33? I had it. Where's my tab? Damn it. One of these days, I will become a good podcaster. I'm really looking forward to it. All right. 39 points on 18 for 33 shooting. Shot three for eight from three-point range. 
Seven rebounds, six assists, two steals, and only two turnovers, one of which came very late. And Doc Rivers attributed mostly to not having any legs left in him. You know, this is a, in 44 minutes of play. It's a tough game to evaluate. Like we said, it was very much a process game. So, you know, were they competitive in the first half? Yes, he had 22 points in the first half during that competitive portion of the game. A lot of those points were drawing the Sixers even or taking the lead. Like, it was a real unexpectedly seesaw of a battle, but nobody really expected the Sixers to keep that up a full 48. I don't think Denver expected the Sixers to keep it up a full 48. So was he receiving the same kind of defensive attention that he will when the games really matter? No. Um, But he got a chance to be the focal point, to run a team, and and to score in ways that he might not have tried if he wasn't thrust into this situation, especially with a guy like Maxi, who has that weakness as a jumper, quite honestly, probably realizes he has a weakness as a jumper, isn't 100% comfortable shooting eight threes at volume. To put him in that spot where he pretty much had to, I think was good. But you really saw the diversity of his shot profile, the floaters, he had a number of floaters, drives to the hoop, pull-up jumpers from deep two, from three. He played exceptionally well, and he didn't make too many mistakes. And does that mean you can count on him to be, you know, I've seen people start Tyrese Maxey, I've seen people, oh, he should be running an offense. Like, calm down. It's one <laughs> meaningless game in January that it, it barely resembled a game. But the skill level was extremely obvious. I do think this is a kid where I think a lot of teams said, well, I'm not sure what he's a lead at. And there's a big one obvious red flag. And because you had an extra eight months to pick you know, a game apart, it was probably easier and easier and easier to talk yourself out of a 6-3 guard who's sort of a combo guard, who can't really shoot right now, and who's not a lead at anything. I think people just, you you talked yourself out of what he can do. And look, when we discussed pre-draft, like, we thought he was a mid-teens-ish pick. We didn't think there was really any chance he was going to be there. For him to fall, and look, I think the Sixers over the past couple of years deserve a lot of credit in terms of their scouting staff. Um, I mean, just go up and down that roster, like Shake Milton, Tyrese Maxey, um, Landry before he was traded. Like they've had a number of really good hits. This one was, I don't want to call it a layup, but it was sort of like, Hey, this is the kid who's falling. Let's, let's not fall victim to the mistakes other teams are making. Um, but I mean, they've done well. And if, if he ends up any, I mean, go back and listen to our, our mailbag pod. It was like his one, so much of his game right now seems like it is at an NBA level, like shockingly to the point where I'm almost nervous because it shouldn't be. Except for that jumper. If he figures out that jumper, am I telling you he's going to be, you know, a a team's number one or two option in the future? No, I'm not telling you that. But it's very clear he has a role. It's pretty clear that that should be a, a pretty consistent part of the rotation. And that could come sooner than I think, certainly than I was expecting. The, you know, we said on this mailbag podcast, again, chaser to this shot, that, uh, the one thing that will take his game to the next level is the ability to pull threes off the dribble. That's, that's the whole game. And he has pretty much everything else. And I thought, you know, we, we never thought his passing coming in was like at an elite level. He's been fairly impressive with his passing. I would say. Yeah. yeah. I think it's not, not elite, but I think there's a lot more creativity than I was expecting. Yeah. Sure. Early on, he, he threw some dimes to Dwight, not in a, not in an on-ball situation, but like attacking a closeout, basically, and 
threading a needle into Dwight where I was just like, man, that's like not the easiest pass in the world. And then, you know, at the beginning of the Denver game, Denver playing a combination of drop and, and the weird coverage they play where like Jokic is up at the foul line and they basically vacate the weak side. Sixers had a weird game against them last year where Howell Neto just was tearing them up. O'Quinn too. Pretty, pretty weird coverage by Denver. Um, but Maxie did a nice job of finding those guys on the uh, on the weak side. Isaiah Joe, I think he started three for four, nah, ended ended four for eighteen. But yeah. on the on the three for four, I think Maxie had a couple a couple nice passes to him on the uh, <laughs> on the weak side. He's uh he's good man. I, I I've been very impressed. And like you said, he was not uh he was not the Shake Milton pick where it's just like. Uh, Michael Levin going nuts about the pick afterwards. And like, he's the only person who has roughly heard of him and everybody else is kind of making it up. To be uh, fair, he goes nuts about every late second round pick. You're sure. going to get one right eventually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but like Tyrese Maxey was somebody who, you know, I'm sure Mike went crazy about that one too, but that was one that everybody went crazy right, about. Right. That was consensus from, you know, like the, uh, your old uncle who, yells about you know the how many threes they take all like people knew who Tyrese Maxey was and uh he's been he's been very good I uh I, I just thought like it was impressive that he even got the 33 shots up yesterday that was yeah a situation where I'm sure Doc told him before the game like dude we don't have anybody who can create a shot on this team like I, I'm sure Dakota Mathias and Isaiah Joe do you are remember going that one where Dakota was driving baseline to his left, and it was just so slow motion. It was so like he didn't get completely cut off, and he ended up finding a a pass out of it. But it was like, oh man, this is taking so long, buddy. You're gonna run out the 24 shot clock, and you're just trying to get to the hoop. One, Dakota Mathias thought, don't miss short, Dakota. Honestly, if he doesn't miss short, it goes in usually. Yeah. But unfortunately, on 80 percent of his shots, they miss short. So don't miss short. Uh. Yeah, so they have these guys. They have they have Danny Green who is hunting his shot. And does that look good? No, no, it doesn't. But guess what? He had to do it. So so you have Maxi, who is the only person who is even close to what you would call a shot creator. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like it's been done. You know, I didn't want to. I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion, and I'm Shay Serrano, and we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies, Woo! and it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
your plan B option was to have Danny Green dribble the ball down the court and launch a 27 footer off the dribble with 20 seconds left on the shot clock. Like, made, that's not good offense. He made one. It was made great. One. It I was loved pre- it. <laughs> it was pretty funny. The possession before the Nuggets, they got a wide open Gary Harris three. And this was like, they started the game two for 10. They were wide open the entire game. The Sixers defense had nothing, which is look, look, it's fine. You know, you're, you have no cohesion. You have very little experience and, frankly, talent compared to the other team. And, and like Doc described it after the game, Denver is a, a clever offensive team. That's not uh, an easy team to guard. Denver, I think Gary, Gary Harris to go two of ten from three. They might have made every one of their open threes after this. He bricks one. And then Danny Green pulls like a 28-foot <laughs> falling to his left <laughs> shot put over his like right shoulder. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, there this is just this I is hilarious, but it's not gonna too. last. Yeah. Um but but for Maxi, he's the only person that could have soaked up all those possessions. So, you know, did he take some crazy runners? Yeah. Did he take a few twenty footers where his foot, you know, his heel is on the three point line? It's like, dude, take that a step back. But like like you said, the uh the diversity of his scoring, especially when they they drop too, he's got that that one footed runner that feels like a fifty percent shot. Yeah, you know, like it, and like that's a shot. You're like, no, for most people, like, please don't take that shot. It's a bad shot. You're not going to get fouled. Nobody makes it at a good rate, but he makes it at a really good rate. It's a really, you know, we we've said this before. That is, it in a game where that is a very efficient shot to be able to make that efficiently because defenses give that to you. That's that's a big deal. That's that's a weapon, um, you know. And he's got some crafty finishing around the rim. Again, we need to see more as a three point shooter. The 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 couple threes he hit at the end, I I forget one of them, but I I know one of them was like a two for one situation, basically where he's he's dribbling it up the court and he fires a three. He made uh he made one of those two for one shots against Brooklyn a couple nights before too, where you know he's sprinting the ball up the court and firing. I'd like to see him make a few more in like a pick and roll situation. Hey, the guy went under on you. Set, set the puppies and, and fired away. Uh, but I mean, as far as like what we've seen from him so far, he's been, he's been very good. And I think the Sixers should be, uh, should be pretty happy about that pick right now. So here, here, here's a random stat. He is shooting 44.4% on runners, which is good for 0.889 points per play. And the Sixers overall as a team, their half court offense is humming along at, I should have had this up at uh, 0.947 points per play in the half court. So that is a shot. He can get anytime he, anytime wants. he wants, anytime it could be with. And I think a lot of times when we start talking about like, uh, you know, efficiency and what's an efficient shot, well, what's an efficient shot with four seconds left on the shot clock is very different than what's an efficient shot with 18 seconds left on the shot clock. As you start getting down, like you're not averaging 0.947 points per play. So for him to be able to get that shot off anytime he wants against pretty much any defense, it is a a weapon in his arsenal. Uh, you hope at times he can, you know. I think if you were going to have one criticism of his game against the Nuggets, would like to see him get to the free throw line a little bit more. I thought there was sometimes there was some contact where maybe a more veteran, established player might have gotten a call, but he's not. He's not a seek out contact kind of guy. He's no. a finish around contact kind of guy. I, I um, don't think that that skill is necessarily going to evade him his whole career. Like I, I think no. he's athletic enough and smart enough to. Be able, he's not a Tobias, basically. Right, uh, and I'm, to be fair, like he's such 
good body control. Like you want him to try to focus on making that shot because he can make the shot. You'd like to see him find a little bit more of a balance. But I mean, like I said, the fact that he can get that that floater, that runner off whenever he wants, it is a it is a good skill because they will give it to him, especially if he gets to the point where he can hit a pull up three with any kind of consistency. And look, you know, one night where he goes three for eight and he still doesn't look entirely comfortable doing it. That's not going to change how a defense plays him. But I think there is a, a a world where he can become a decent enough pull-up shooter that with his speed, he can get to his spots. And that is a skill set the Sixers have not had very much of lately. And by lately, I mean like the past five or six years. <laughs> and it was, uh, it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. Kids, kids, kids a hooper. He's a real hooper. Yeah. It's a, it's a little slow, that that three-pointer. He has to, yeah. he has to really get his base under him and... It's not exactly stop on a dime and pull up, no. but hey, that's uh, we we knew coming in that this was a little bit of a question for him. So for for the rest of the stuff to translate this easily, that's uh, that's awesome. And guess what? You know, like he's not going to have thirty three shots theoretically if uh, Simmons and Embiid do return this week, but he's going to be like the third option. <laughs> no, it could be it could be five years before he gets thirty three shots again in a game. Yeah, that was entirely edge case, but. Uh... You, I mean, look. He's going to be the third. He's going to be a third option if they have the crew of players that we think that they're going to have for three games next or, week. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess just ending on Maxi, like a lot of times when you say like, "Oh, he got thirty nine points in in garbage time," and t- that was pretty much a garbage time game, right from right from tip. But a lot of times when you ask a a player like that to ramp up their production, the efficiency goes completely you know out the window. And he did not. He made a good percentage of his looks. And again. Likes him get to the free throw line a little bit more. Didn't turn the ball over, so that offset some of that. But he acquitted himself well in an except. I mean, his supporting cast was Isaiah Joe, Dakota Mathias, B-Ball Paul, and didn't start, but he got some significant minutes. B-Ball Paul. B-Ball Paul, the best Twitter handle ever. Uh, probably came up with that when he was like 12 and just Sh- never changed it. Shout out to Matt Cord for saying that right away, too. <laughs> yeah. But he, uh, I mean, he that, that was a real legit team. Denver's probably not playing as well as you would expect them to, but that was a real legit team and he acquitted himself. Well, I'm excited to see what he looks like here over the next week. I guess a couple of quick updates on where the Sixers stand league wide. They are, which after that last game going to influence it. They still have the league's number two ranked defense, which I'm a little bit surprised at, uh, especially when you had that, you know, four quarter stretch against the wizards and the nets where they uh, looked pretty lost on that end. Um, the 19th ranked offense, fifth in pace, and then 22nd in three point attempt rate. You can't change everything in one season and 29th in turnover rate. Both things that, uh, we have seen here over the last few years, but they are, you know, it is, I think it was, it's a shame because all of this happened. Brooklyn game, notwithstanding all of this happened right when we were starting to feel like, Hey, this team is starting to build an identity. They look like they have, they're figuring out what they want to do offensively. Here's some real competition to go against. And now it's like, well, all those people who were either A, running the, the you, you were building around and beating Simmons missing last night, or B, supporting them are out and uh, you're, you're, you're coming up against a rough stretch. So, I mean, I'm interested. I want to see what Tyrese Maxey is going to do, but who, who knows? Who we, knows? you know, this might just be a case of us having a couple of weeks of really good play distracting us from the realities of this season where, you know, in a couple months, wherever the Sixers are, we could look at their net rating and be like, 
all right, well, this doesn't really matter because they didn't have guys available for the yeah. quarter of these games. And guess what? The rest of the teams probably didn't too. So I don't know. All right. I think uh, I think that's probably a good enough place to cut off. We'll try to keep this one relatively short. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on. We'll talk to you soon. See you, man.